Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 76 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will be talking about um, our player shares. So the guys um, that we have uh, on the most number of teams this year for each position. Um, so kind of like uh, you know our guys type thing. Um, just guys that uh, we see as good values or we feel like you know fit roster construction well. Um, so we'll kind of go into them. We'll provide a couple for each position and, and share a little bit why we like them. At this point in the season, you probably you probably already know that we like those those guys, but um, as we head into draft seasons, maybe it's a, a little helpful to have that um, to have that on the forefront of your mind. So um, yeah. But as always, I really appreciate you listening. Thanks for sticking with us throughout all of this draft prep, uh, all of this draft right research. I really do hope that your drafts are going well and that the podcast has been helpful uh, to you um, in the off season and, and in preparing for them. So with that uh, in mind, you can follow me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can follow Bub on Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 76. Position previews are done. Season starts in just over a week. So we are going to review our heavy player shares. We still have a few drafts to go. I think Toby's got another main event, at least one more, maybe two. Um, and he'll tell you about that shortly. But I know I have a few more drafts to go. But we're going to give you the basics of it. You should have an idea of who we like by now. But if not, we'll tell you some more. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host, as always, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby. How are we doing, my friend? Bubba, we're doing pretty well. You know, we're in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. We are in the thick of of draft season, and it feels pretty good. It's a little exhausting as well, I think. Um, maybe, um, yeah. But I've got my I've got my Phillies. I'm donning the Phillies cap today in honor of the patron saint of catchers, JT Real Muto. Um, what did he do in his first at bat right back? Here. He hit a home run. Oh, you know, it was it was brilliant. You know, I'm like on Twitter and it's kind of fun, like that people associate me with him now um, in the, in their minds, at least some people, you know, like five or six people in the world. <laughs> and um, and so I was getting tagged after he hit the home run of like the MLB.com um, video, which was kind of fun. And then uh, I think it was Tony uh, DiVincenzo who, who uh, partners with Dave McDonald, mm-hmm. he, he wrote back and he was like, he was like, he, uh, j- not to like damper the mood at all, but he did hit it off of Tommy Malone. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're, that yes, does kind of, was it on an 83 mile per hour fastball? So it was, it was on practice. an 83 mile per hour <laughs> fastball. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was good to see him out on the field. I'm interested to see how that impacts his draft, Um, you know, where he's going in drafts. He was going so late um, this week, but it's really hard to see him going in front of some of the hitters that are in front of him. Right. I mean, that's the thing that that's the thing that I think is really interesting is heading into drafts. I thought catchers might fall because you really have to believe in the catcher. And also because in DCs, maybe catchers have a little bit more value because you can't stream them in the same way. Um, but you really have to believe to get there. And so now when you think about the decisions you're faced with early on in drafts, right, you go early pitching, 
Um, well, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but because uh, I know you wanted you wanted to, to, to touch on that, but there's just so many different needs you have early on that, you know, taking that catcher has to be a priority if you're going to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting for sure, because you have to be comfortable with your builds, even the pocket aces, which I've adapted that you've rubbed off on me and it makes sense. I get it. He, um, like I, I was happy. I got Nola and G Lito for like the second time. I'm just over the moon with that kind of start. And I had some people going, yeah, it's great, but it's such an uncomfortable build. I said, yeah, it's not great. Like, but you just have to be comfortable with what you're like approaching it with. And we'll, we'll hit on it in a, in a minute with some of our shares, but it leads to the potential to get JT Romuto and stuff like that. It's kind of yeah. how it all starts to fall, fall together. Uh, as you build, but uh, it just comes back to what we preach over and over again is know the player pool and you can kind of draft any way you want. And there's not, there's no one way to draft. We know some guys like to, uh, you know, know Dave McDonald talks about, he likes to get one of the big shortstops and uh, at least one or two of the big outfielders early with like one arm. That's his strategy. Uh, Some guys are going for the full house right now. Like there's different ways to do it. So whatever works for you. Uh, I did think it was interesting. The last thing I I will say on this is um, Vlad Sedler tweeted it out. Um, Rasball, I believe it was Blair Williams. I, I apologize if I got that wrong. Um, he came out with his top 100 starting pitchers uh, over there today. And uh, Vlad read the article and he tweeted out. He said it was very interesting. I think it was in the last 17 years of the main event. No main event winner has drafted a starting pitcher in the first round. Or maybe the overall winner, maybe, maybe the overall. Because I'm like, it can't be just a main event because you've won a main event. So like, I, I was reading on that doesn't make yeah. sense. I think yeah, no, overall it's the overall. Champion. It's the That's overall. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is really interesting. Um, and I wonder what why it is. I mean, is it a product of the fact that you need to hit that generally what gets you the most value is relying on those solid hitters and then being able to get that the guy who makes the leap, you know, the Bieber from from last year. Yeah, exactly. Like the Trevor Bauer or the Corbin Burns or the person like that. Right. But then that becomes a challenge because it's like, is there anybody who does that consistently? Right. Is there somebody who does that more than once every few years in order to be able to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, on a consistent basis? So it's, it's, it's super interesting. Um, But, you know, and I think you need to, you know, I think you're, my strategy is a little bit different this year. I've mentioned it before, uh, you know, in my first main event draft, I did not go pocket aces. I, I was fortunate enough to get Cole at three and then I went a couple hitters before, um, well, I, I think I went, went three hitters before I, I took my next pitcher. And so you need to be, I think, you know, you need to be able to look, you want to look at the player pool and figure it out. Um, but then it's also like that happens, but in in my main event where i finished ninth overall in that main event you know uh i did pocket pocket aces and i missed on my first hitter which was andrew benintendi Mm -hmm. so if i hit on benintendi it's a different story right or you know if i hit on blake snell you know who was my second round pick in that so it's just um yeah it's a small sample size that we're working with but also obviously 100 percent of people have won it taking a, a, a pitcher, a hitter in the first round. So what should happen in drafts from now on, nobody <laughs> should draft a pitcher in the first round. That is my dare to the main event fantasy baseball community out there. Nobody has ever won a main event taking a pitcher in the first round. So don't be that guy. Don't take the pitcher. Don't. It's a 0% chance you're going to win if you take a pitcher in the first round. 
that's my that's my PSA. Yeah, I, I thought of you immediately when I saw that tweet. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Like, it stood, it stood out because we talked about how much pitching goes up, especially in the main event, and there's a lot of well-respected guys that take pitching early. So it was like, hmm. So maybe this year, Toby, you change that. You're going to win the overall. See, there you go. You're going you're gonna to change it and be like, hey, the first right here. That, that, On like, the back of Garrett Cole. Me yeah, and Garrett Cole, my first main event team. That's a good back. That's a good back. Sunset. That's a good back because uh, Garrett Cole, monster. Even uh, hey, Aaron Boone let us know that he thinks Cole can throw 200 innings. Thanks, Aaron. We, did, we didn't need your plus your, your, your blessing, but I think we appreciate it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, good man. to see. But um, let's talk shares, and I know we'll go down rabbit holes uh, on that, so I'll stop us here. And we're going to go position by position, talk about a couple guys here and there. Um, we're probably going to share some of them because it just kind of happens. We talk so much about stuff. I think we, <laughs> it seems like I'm starting to draft a lot of guys you have, and all of a sudden, like we're mentioning guys before the show. It's like, oh, yeah, I got a lot of that guy too. And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, there we go. So, um, Brett Minds think alike, Bubba. Yes, exactly. And we also, we also, I want to preface this now. We were joking because, like, one of my most known pitchers is Stephen Brault. We're not going to talk about Stephen Brault. Like, that's because it was drafted in draft and holds, 50 round draft and holds, or best balls where you guys aren't going to be doing that right now. So it's just, he's going to be on your waiver wire. He's even hurt right now, I think. So that's awesome. But um, stuff like that to keep in mind. So, Toby, start I us off. I am on 12, 12 of my 15 teams, Stephen Brown. Yeah, and he, so you he, have 15. I have I have a list of 11 teams. I have nine best balls I did not manually put in here, but I have an idea of who I have heavily. So I'll just be kind of making it up a little bit as I go, but I'll go off of this list for the most part. So uh, 11 drafts for me, 15 for Toby. Toby, who's your most owned catcher? My most owned catcher. Now, this is actually kind of fascinating. Like, I'm not laughing. It's not JTR. It's not JTR. I know. Uh, and I think people <laughs> who have listened to the show would know that it's not JTR this year, just because I think there's some really good value in some of the, the middle tier. I don't even know if it's a middle tier. I mean, it's the upper upper middle tier or something, whatever it is. But um, I actually have um, my most shares. And this is going to tell you my approach to catchers this year. And also, and I'll caveat this with, there's a lot of draft champions leagues, which I target catchers a little bit more heavy than I may, might in a different league. Um, but number one is, Yaz, is Sal Perez mm -hmm. at seven. Ooh, up seven of 15. It's almost 50%. That's impressive. Number two, Yasmani Grandal. Yeah. Seven. Hmm. JTR is going to be very, very jealous of this. Number three. Wilson Contreras. There's a trend, people. There's a trend Six. here. JT Realmuto is number four with – he might also be six, honestly. But number one in your heart, so that's all that matters. Five. JTR is five. I have five shares of JTR. So it just shows you, like, they're all there, right? I have mm -hmm. kind of – a group of catchers that I really like, and I like to get at least one of those guys. Um, and so that's kind of how it is. That's that, those are my catchers. And, you know, I think with each one of them with Sal, he, the, the plate appearances are going to be so high. Um, he plays almost every day. The power is going to be really nice. It's an improved lineup that he's in hits the ball in the air, makes plenty of contact. As long as you're not an OBP, the plate discipline or lack thereof, you know, doesn't hurt you too badly. And he just made really nice contact. I mean, he, he, he barreled the ball up 
at career best rates last year. And obviously it's a small season. So there's likely regression coming, but I think it's going to be beautiful if he's healthy. And I, I think that's what you got to ask yourself. If this guy's healthy, is it going to be beautiful? And if it's yeah. going to be beautiful, if the guy's healthy and you don't control whether they're healthy or not, then do it. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, yeah. You can't complain with any of those catchers for me. Out of my eleven, JTR and Grandall are in four of each, and I know I have I have Grandall more in those best balls too. So he, he's most likely my my highest shared individual for sure. I'm 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 a big Grandall fan to begin with. Like you mentioned, the tiers, um, some of that's OBP based. He's amazing in that. Uh, so I, I love Grandall a lot in that. With um, the chance, it looks like he might actually DH for a little while to start out the year. Is pretty promising too. Mm-hmm. So uh, while he while he continues to get healthy, so keep an eye on that. My other guys, though, if you want to go on the flip side, and a lot of it's best ball base, but I actually do have them in some of the 15-team leagues where I kind of get one early catcher and then wait. A lot of Elias Diaz and a lot of Stallings. Like, those mm-hmm. are guys we've talked about on the show many times. Like, if you don't – if you're in a two-catcher league, if you don't want to go two big guys early, it seems like I paired up like a Grandal or a JTR with a Stallings and a Diaz in almost every league, or I've gone Stalling-Diaz together. That's just depending on how, how the draft flows. But you give me the starting catcher in Colorado – uh, basically free in drafts. I'll sign me up for that. And Stallings, I like, like the powers, yeah, whatever. But for a catcher that late in the draft, he's for a decent average. He's so it's like a, I think he's two fifty ish, two sixty or something like that. Which for catcher, it's pretty good. So mm-hmm. um, that's where I've been kind of leaning at the catcher's position. It's either go get one big guy early or just wait for those guys late. So Diaz Stallings quite a bit with some ground ball sprinkled on top. And I think that is the approach that you should take. You know, I, I think. I would definitely uh, be in favor of that. And I also, I have five shares of Elias Diaz as well. Like him a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say this. Uh, um, uh, I also have five shares of one other catcher. I might regret that decision. Those, those decisions. Plural. Can I make a guess? Can I make a guess? Yeah, yeah you can. You're going to nail it. Gary Sanchez? No. Oh. Dalton Varshow. Oh yeah, Dalton okay, yeah, Marshall. yeah. Fair enough. Well, when yeah, you started making, me when you started making those, pick like one forty, you know, like or in those early drafts. Um, yeah, you know, that's probably like a December draft, a November draft where things look great, and now here we are. Oh man, that and Laoti <laughs> Tavares is going to be the death yeah. of many draft champions yeah. league teams of mine. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Leody. That's a, yeah. that's a, that's a stinger. That that's that's a tough one. I mean, he uh, hasn't lost the job yet, but it's not I looking think best good. case scenario is he's batting like ninth in that lineup right now. So all that value we liked is gone. So Ooh. lovely. Let's go to first base. Who right. is uh, listeners better guess my top guy? But I'll let Toby go first. Who was your uh, first base guys? Well, I'm going to cheat a little bit because I think I actually spread out the love a lot at first base. Um, so my most owned first baseman is uh, Yuli Gurriel. Um, he is, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, it's hard to get batting average late. And so going after Gurriel late is something that I enjoy doing. Um, you know, and I, re- I, I believe, I believe in Yuli in the sense that I think last year was a down year. If you look at the skills that were very similar, he actually maintained the lower ground ball rate, um, which, um, you know, which was key to his power. I think. And again, he is a guy that, that um, benefits tremendously from the Crawford boxes. And so I, I don't necessarily think that if the ball is dead in this year, that it will take too much away from him there. 
and he makes a ton of contact. He's going to be batting down in that lineup, which is, a you know, it's left a little bit of a bitter taste there, um, batting seventh, it looks like. Um, but I think he's a really good guy late. Um, I actually had an opportunity to snag him in, in, a, in the main this weekend, and I was just too obsessed with hit with pitchers at the time. He went pretty late, like uh, well into pick 300, I think, and, and I did pull the trigger. But um, So that's one guy that I like. And then the last one, he's not a first base eligible yet. He's util right now, but uh, Miggy. Miggy is yeah. actually one of my most owned hitters. I love that. Um, you know, it's – it's um yeah so like as a last round pick he's good i do think it's a little hard to in a non-draft champions to go after him because i don't think he's going to play every single day and then he's util only and so i think he's going to be more of a mix and match i think you're going to see him off and on the waiver wire a little bit but i do really like what he was able to do last year it was really good so he could take that nice step and if he does get first base eligibility he could be he could be really nice as well so I like Miggy, especially like daily moves leagues. I think in Barf, he'd be great because OBP, he'd be phenomenal in that format, even with Util only. Um, mm. But yeah, there's a lot to like. It's hard. Barf isn't daily anymore, though. Remember? Oh, that's right. That changed. I forgot. But yeah, um, yeah. that I hate that change. But that had to be a that had to be a Dave McDonald's thing. I'm gonna blame him on that. Just because it's because um, we want it's because we want universal. But like we're going with the overall Glarf, Glarf, and the other ones. We had so we have to make it all uniform. But um, yeah, I, I think Miggy's going to be good. I hope he plays every day, but it, he's he's got some potential. He hit the ball last year. Uh, for me, I'll start backwards. I do. I, I got a lot of early Rowdy Telez. I backed off a little mm-hmm. bit, but I'm starting to get kind of excited again, which is scary. So we're going to see. I might grab another share or two of the last mm-hmm. week because it's just man. I just the, the whole team's injured. Exactly. <laughs> I can, like feel it in my loins that he's just going to start pounding the baseball. And when everyone comes back, he's hitting too good. They like he's. He's too good not to play. Like, and Gritchick's free in drafts. So I go, we don't need to go in that, but he's free in drafts with these injuries. Uh, Springer grade two, oblique strain. That's not nothing to joke about. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but and I yeah. mean, Bubba, when you when you can feel it in your loins, you have exactly. To, you know, like it's, it's it's meant to be. Yeah. So um, Rowdy, I have some early shares of, but uh, Christian Walker and Jesus Aguilar, I have mm-hmm. four and five shares of each. I get them late kind of as a, if I missed out on guys or a corner infield option, big fans of them, talked about them quite a bit, but um, my most rostered first baseman and art came into the chat and guessed it right away. Ooh. And I really, anybody should, yes, it, it Matt, I said, I've said it a few times now. I need to buy a Phillies hat because I rostered a lot of Phillies. And the main one is this man, Reese Hoskins, Reese's pieces is going to be very, very important to my, my season long fantasy baseball situation. So um, be, between OBP leagues and non-OBP leagues, I still think he hits like 250 to 260 and, and hits all kinds of home runs and drives and runs. The offense is too good in Philly. I, I love everything about Reese. Um, people are just down on him. I guess they're still worried about the injury, but I'm not. Like he's, They say he's healthy. He says he's healthy. I'm not going to let, let that worry me. Maybe I should, but I'm not. So um, Reese is my guy. I have a ton of him. We'll see how that goes. Little known fact about uh, Reese Hoskins is that Bubba and I uh, competed against Reese yes. Hoskins at trivia for yes. my brother's nonprofit um, organization, and I think I think we beat them. We did, so, we did, and it, it took a lot of energy for me not to get to the group chat and say Reese, I love you. Like it yeah, really, really yeah. did. No, I'm just kidding. You should have. You, you, you never know what'll happen. I should have. Like, hey Reese, 
not saying I like you a lot, but if you look at my shares, I like you a lot. So can we make this happen? This year? We should have made that our Zoom background was our our share <laughs> percentage on NFBC with um oh, with Reese Hoskins at the top right there. That uh, and Andrew Knapp. I would I, I have drafted it quite a few shares of Andrew Knapp in my DCs yeah. as well. Um, always important to get yeah, JTR back up too, and a good guy he? too. He was he was playing trivia, wasn't he? Nap? Yeah, he was playing too. Yeah, that's Sorry, actually how Reese Hoskins was a part of it. Oh, okay, that's what it was. My brother gotcha. coached Andrew Knapp when he was at Cal. Gotcha. So that's how the that's how he's involved with the organization. Yeah. Gotcha. Because Reese is a Sacramento guy, or maybe I'm I wrong. think you're right. I think I think right. he is. I think he's from Sacramento or that area somewhere. Elk Grove, Citrus Heights, yeah. something like that. Yeah, look, look that up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, but. um yeah, everybody join the research. I'm telling you, I should know this. I'm like, I should he went to Sac here. State. He That's played college at Sac State. He was born in Sacramento. That's what I thought. I thought he was a Sacramento Oh, wow. Guy. Yeah. High school. Who did he play? Oh, he played for Jesuit. Oh, he okay. was private school. Oh, he went to private school. That's oh, right. One of those guys. Oh, yeah, you we're, remember we're those Yolo days. We're County boys. Yeah, we're you remember those days. Boys. I mean, Davis, yeah. Woodland. I mean, yeah. our arch rivals are Jesuits. So. Yeah, we, we, we made fun of Jesuit because they beat everybody up because they paid for their kids. Yeah, so that's yeah, the- yeah. They, they, they brought in all the kids from all over the Sacramento area. I, I, may, I may be wrong, but I feel like J.P. Howell went to Jesuit, who was a, a major league pitcher with the Rays and stuff, and he was in the bullpen with like the Dodgers and everything. Mm-hmm. So I want to say – during one yeah. of the playoffs, Woodland played Jesuit and Hal pitched against Pedroia. I want to say that's what took place, but could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I he know. totally was. Yeah. He totally so, was. I remember all the scouts were there he... watching him throw a bullpen, and I'm sitting there in high school going, what in the world's going on over here? Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man. Wild times. Wild times, everybody. Wild times. But back to our shares. Second base, Toby, who do you have heavy shares? Because this is one of those positions – this can get spread out, I think, because it's kind of all over. But what what do you have? You're smiling like you have a pretty heavy dose of someone. I have a heavy dose. I have a heavy <laughs> dose of someone, and the heavy dose is maybe headed to the injured list as well. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, today was quite a uh, today was an up and hill, up and down uh, ride on the Starlin Castro oh, Express. No. Yeah, I have a lot of Starlin Castro. Um, I have, yeah, I have a lot. Well, by far my, my most owned second baseman. I think I have him in eight leagues or something like that. Just as a late batting average guy, um, you know, who's going to be in a good lineup, the challenge with him. So he was second base. So earlier today, he played at third base today. They're giving him reps at third base because they don't believe in Kibum, right? They're like, yeah. Dave Martinez, he's in said Kibum's working on his swing, something or other. And so I was like, my guy's going to get second, third eligibility, middle infield, corner infield. And then like three innings later, it's like he leaves the field with trainers after trying to extend from uh, from running from first to third. So um, remains to be seen what happens there. But he's my number one guy by a lot, more than twice as often as anybody else. And then I have a bunch of second basemen um, that are kind of scattered around there afterwards. Um, Whit Merrifield is one of note, um, obviously a guy I drafted in my first main um, this weekend who I obviously like a lot, um, you know, a guy who batting average and stolen bases, you know, if that's what you're looking for in a draft, if you've gone to two starting pitchers or you're looking at for those two categories, um, always a really solid option there. So those are my second base, kind of a little bit of a bummer. I'm actually, you know, uh, had quite a few of my heavily owned 
D draft champions guys are not looking great. Steven Brault being one of them yeah. we discussed earlier. So that's going to sting. But I'm just glad he's like pitcher like 14 on the roster. That makes me feel better. But still, you kind of rely on that guy once in a while. <laughs> so oh, yeah. um, second base for me is spread out down below. Uh, one guy I'll give an honorable mention to that I, I snagged in a lot of best balls late for second base outfield eligibility is Adam Frazier leading off for Pittsburgh. Mm. Snagged him in a lot of spots. Just leadoff hitter, plays every day, uh, multi-position. But uh, my main man, another multi-position guy, but I know for a fact when I was drafting him, it was for second base. But he plays all over the place. Leading off for the Cardinals is Tommy Edmond. Um, I have a ton of Tommy Edmond, and it doesn't feel great taking Tommy Edmond. But it's one of those, you know, he's going to hit leadoff. He's going to play every day. The flexibility is awesome to have, especially in NFPC formats. And he's going to, you know, steal you maybe 10 to 15 bags, maybe more. He's going to hit you 10-ish home runs. He's not going to crush you. He's going to be just kind of a steady Eddie. I don't see him jumping off the page anywhere, but he's going to kind of fill a little bit each column for you and not crush you. So um, it's not a sexy pick ever. Like, it really does not feel great when you have, like, big boppers over here, another pitcher over here. But when you look at your team and go – if I don't take Tommy Edmond now, it's going to get real murky real quick. Or do I roll the dice and hope Colton Wong or someone like falls? Because as the draft season went on, like Wong's and Castro's and those guys, they started getting jumped all over the place. So it was not consistent where you were drafting. So I was like, taking Tommy Edmond, we're moving on. So lots of Tommy Edmond for me. Yeah. And Edmond's a guy who I really liked early on in the year. And then I kind of faded away from him, which I think tends to happen. And it may just be a fear of like, too much exposure or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think what you mentioned is, is, is key. Um, yeah, I actually, I have just as many shares of him as I have of, um, or maybe even more of wit, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And I guess the other one, I won't go into it, but I know I have a good, like probably four or five total shares on my 20 teams of like Jose Altuve. That's a guy I've been gambling on around nine or 10. So that be another one. Let's head to the hot corner. Third base. This is a fun one. And you don't, if you don't have to oh, mention man. the one, if you don't want to, you don't have to, I, I understand, but uh, third base. Doom and gloom. You want yet again, <laughs> uh, most owned third baseman, Evan Longoria of the San Francisco giants. Longoria actually last year was, I had him on all my teams. He was sneaky. Good. The stack cast metrics were great from a batted ball quality perspective. The barrel rate um, was excellent. Um, hitting the ball hard on, on a consistent basis, underperformed. Um, that those, um, those stack cast metrics, but still performed admirably. Plays every day. Really just like a, a plate appearance guy I was targeting in, in later rounds of draft champions just to make sure that I, that I could keep up in the plate appearance game if folks uh, got injured. And in some instances, he was my either third baseman or my corner infielder, at least my first, um, the first one on my list. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, the next one for me, actually, you know, um, I wasn't thinking of him as one. I was thinking of him as a second baseman would probably be Tom, Tommy Edmond there. Mm -hmm. um, but the guy I was going to mention otherwise was, um, was Alex Bregman. Um, I had a, uh, kind of just like a smattering of him throughout, especially as he's fallen in drafts. I mean, he's gone pretty late in some of the drafts here, um, you know, and um, some of this was pre-injury, you know, he's starting to hit now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but it's hard to see him going. It's one of these things where like, the, it's really hard to see players moving up because 
it seems like there are good people in front of them. Mm-hmm. But with Bregman, I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do uh, before in the past. Um, you know, he's really good. He's going to be in the middle of that that Astros lineup. Um, so yeah, and, and I and I believe in in um, I believe last year was an injury fluke. Yeah. Um, and so I'm giving him a pass on that. And and what we saw before that was an excellent player, a player that was going in whatever the third round, second round last year. Yeah. There's so many guys and he's one of them. That I'm like, I'm, I'm mad. I don't have a share of, cause I'm with you. I, what we saw last year is not like the Astros and the Cubs are like two teams that people need to just put last year in the rear view. Like those two, there's so many guys on the both Those rosters are going to be so much better this year and they're all coming to discounts and drafts. It, it's wild. Um, so yeah, Bregman, I don't have any of, but uh, my main guys, uh, Moncada and Devers, I have about mm. four or five shares of each. I'm a huge Moncada fan, but people started really buying into him, I think, in the, the COVID stuff because he started moving around. Devers comes back to our JTR conversation, comes back to the um, pocket aces conversation. If you're in a 15-team league and you're in the back end of your round three and four, JTR and Devers are sitting there for you all the time. And it seemed like the way third base drops off, and I'm kind of – Thinking maybe I should have waited on some of that, but like, and we're going to talk about a Rose Reina later too. It's kind of like those are that's kind of the wheelhouse for that 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 pick on what you want. So if you're not worried about stolen bases, Devers a great pick there. You get JTR. So I have a lot of those two guys. Other than that, I, I have third base spread out all over the place. It's nothing too crazy. The only other one, it's mainly like best ball leagues, is Joey Wendell. I was grabbing super late, multi position, plays a lot of third base, but. It's mainly Devers and Moncada, and then just spread out all over the place for me. So, totally. Nothing crazy. Shortstop, though, I'm pretty honed in on shortstop. So what do you got there? I'm I'm actually spread out uh, pretty good here. Um, Marcus Semyon, I think, is my most, uh, the guy that I have the most of. You know, back in the day when you could get him around pick like 140, 150, those were the, those were the good old days of Marcus Semyon, but given the situation that he's fallen himself into, you know, now maybe he's even going to be hitting leadoff. Um, you know, maybe now the Blue Jays will move Vlad from like batting eighth to like batting, I don't know, in the middle of the lineup, even maybe now with all those injuries. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, so be Sam, a bubba in the bat flip without a Vlad Without a Vlad, Vlad jab, yeah, <laughs> which I'm going to look really bad about at the end of the year. Um, and um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, so Semyon was, um, Semyon was, is great. He's in a great situation, kind of a, a guy who contributes across the board, maybe nothing, nothing fancy, but solid player all around. Um, really like him a lot. Maybe he could take a little bit of a step forward with the power, even given he's living, leaving Oakland Coliseum and he's always had more home runs on the road. So that was my first guy. Um, second guy going later on, um, you know, JP Crawford is a guy I've mentioned on the show uh, many times before. Um, but uh, JP Crawford for me is, um, you know, I think he's really good, you know, with, with the thing that's difficult is a lot of the guys that I'm talking about, like, you know, I had hopes of certain things, you know, like, uh, you know, health, uh, with JP Crawford, it was that he'd be hitting at the top of that lineup. He's been hitting like sixth, I think regularly in that lineup, which is an awful, but you know, as the leadoff hitter, um, for the Mariners, if he ends up in that position, I think he's, he'll be really good, good on base skills, 
got to take a step forward in the in the uh, batted ball quality department. But I think that's his one real real weakness. And a guy who could get you, you know, ninety plus runs if he's if he's hitting that the top of the order for the Mariners. So he's a guy kind of late in the drafts as my middle infielder on my bench. I I like getting him. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Um, for my later guys, Freddie Galvis, I have a ton of, and um, that's just. Super late, going to start every day for Baltimore, which seems pretty nice to me. But my main two, I have changed my tune as the draft season has gone on. A lot of Javi Baez early. A lot of mm. Javi Baez early. I was all in on Javi Baez early. Did not want to have all the Javi Baez. Though. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a risky one. There are certain guys I'm willing to go all in on. Baez might not be one of them. So I changed my tune, and I started going a lot of Glaber Torres. Mm. And... I'm really the more I've looked into Glaber I, or Gleiber, I always say Glaber. Who knows? What, um, I've become much more of a fan. Like mm-hmm. I think the thing that with Baez that got my attention was the stolen base possibilities, but he might also not steal as much anymore. Where with Torres, he might get you five or so stolen bases, but legit thirty home run upside, if not more, and actually brings a decent batting average. Not to mention hits in the middle of the Yankees lineup, like. The more I started telling my talking to myself, I'm like, why am I putting Baez over Torres, you dumb dumb? Like it just, it just doesn't make sense. So I think by the end of this, I'm gonna have more Torres than Baez when I add it all up. But I have a basically when I said it's pretty much down to two, like it's pretty narrowed. It's a it's one of those two is on almost every one of my rosters. You can pretty much count that in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those are two two solid guys. And I mean, um, yeah, Glaber hit 38 home runs like two yeah. years ago. So he definitely it's, those, it's it's one of those jacks. deals, and he's going super late. Uh, the only guy that I don't have, like, well, or like I don't have a ton of the early, early guys, like Stories and Turners, and then I'm usually getting pitching or Soto or someone. Um, the guy that I'm bummed I don't have, but it's because I'm taking Baez or Torres, I don't have any Dansby Swanson, and that mm. might sting because they've been hitting them like fifth in spring. I, ideally, we want him at like second. The fifth's intriguing if he still hits like 20-something home runs. He can still run there because he still has a couple guys behind him. He's like the pitchers behind him. Fifth's interesting with, with him. He could actually drive in more runs than we expect. So uh, Swanson can I, be I a really nice thought about, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, he's a guy who he makes that big jump, you know, from ADP yeah. of 220 to 100. And I and those are the types of guys that try to steer clear of a little bit. But I think yeah, I don't I don't have any of him either. Maybe well, that's like after, after him, it like drops off so much. Like his big time drop off. Shortstop like, is is like that it's such a fascinating position this year because it's so deep but it's gone so quickly yeah and that's why i have so much tours and bias because it's like if i don't take these guys now it just drops and so i'm I'm grabbing one and that's kind of been the the structure in my drafts um let's go to the outfield this is a fun one there's some very very fun names here so uh, what do you have for the outfield position so for outfield position um my most uh, the guys I have on the most teams, uh, number one is uh, Ramon Laureano. Um, I have quite a bit of Ramon Laureano. Again, he's one of these guys who in 2020 had the same, if not better, skills than he had in 2019. And yet, you know, he's dropped, you know, whatever, 20, 30, 40 picks um, in ADP, you know, and and I think he could hit at the top of that lineup. He could not, but I think either way he ends up. You know, he's a 2010 guy, and I think the batting average will play. I think his batting average was awful last year, but, you know, he's shown the ability to hit for a high average in, in his two previous uh, larger sample seasons. And so uh, he's a guy that I like a lot 
Um, not a surprise to anybody who listens to the podcast. Another guy I have tons of shares of is Justin Upton. Yeah, I, like um, that. I remember, you know, part of this podcast, I feel like it's a little sad because <laughs> I think about how I use, like how it was in the, in the back in the good old days of like November drafting, yep. you know, and December, like I got Glaber Torres at one point after pick 100. Oh man. Um, oh, after man. pick 100. Glaber That's Torres. insane. And then I also, um, for Upton, I got Upton around pick 400 for a little while. That's why I have so many shares of him. Now he's like pick 285 or whatever, yeah. you know, wow. but just, uh, you know, the way I tend to build teams, I'm, I'm, I'm a little light on power, uh, towards the back end of the rounds and, and I'm, um, I'm grabbing him, um, you know, if I am light there and he's obviously had a terrific spring, which has helped out. Get a really good closeout to twenty um, uh, to twenty twenty. So he's a guy that I like a lot. And then the last one um, who I really like is um, who I have a bunch of shares of is uh, Gregory Polanco, um, yeah, who again, like you know, won't be a surprise to anybody. But um, I just think that Polanco, he's got kind of you know, it's boom or bust, but the boom could be really good, you know, as as we've said for however long. But the price is. <laughs> is a little bit more appropriate at this exactly. point in time than it has been in the past. You know, you've had to kind of pay that in the past and now you're, you're getting a, you're getting a little bit of a free shot. So um, those are, those are some of the guys that I, um, those are the three outfielders that I, I think those are the ones at least what I tried to do was focus on the guys that are actually like relevant now, you know, because I could give you all the guys that I draft towards the back. I could give you a lot of Jason Bossler, you know, um, for the Giants at third base. Uh, but I thought I would make it a little bit more re relevant for our wonderful listeners. So those are the three outfielders that are that are kind of in a draftable range that I find myself having the most shares of. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Polanco, I've, I've slowly bought in on just for the price alone. Like you said, he's not costing you a fortune anymore. So if he struggles again, you just drop him. It doesn't kill you. Uh, but what he's done in spring training and listening to him talk, about saying he's finally healthy and can actually focus on playing baseball for the first time in years says a lot to me. And it's kind of showing on the field. So uh, I'm intrigued there. For me, it's uh, three guys, Mark Connor, ton of Mark Connor, um, between OBP and regular. If he's hitting second, he actually has a, he actually will steal some bases too to surprise people. He could mm -hmm. get you maybe 10 steals, which would be insane. But uh, power, going to score a lot of runs at the top of that order. So I have a lot of Mark Connor. Uh, Great in OBP too. I have them in yep. every single OBP league I'm in. So do I. Every single one of them. So uh, I, I've reached. Well, you don't. You don't. Head. You don't have them in barf. Okay, barf. I forgot. I have them in tout and, and the I, other. I got it. I got them. I got them in barf. Yeah. So you win that one. You win that I'm one. Just Fair enough. I'm just Fair enough. No, it's fine. You win. You win. Um, uh, Aaron Hicks. Lots of Aaron Hicks. Uh, I, I was. I was an Aaron Hicks believer well, for years now. I've been an Aaron Hicks believer. And I, I, I've enjoyed the pleasures and the pains. There's no doubt about that. But I don't care if he plays 110 games. For his price tag, and he's going to get third for those 110 games, sign me up. It's like we talk about with um, you know, pitchers and other position guys where you the replay guy, you get good 110 games, then go get someone off the bench for the other 50. That's a heck of a ball player. So um, I've taken a lot of Aaron Hicks as well. And then last but not least – these guys are tied, so I'll take the one I wanted to mention earlier. Randy Rosarena. And I was talking with Toby about this before the podcast. Um, a Rosarena was a guy that I did not want to draft at all by in November. I wanted 
nothing to do with him. Thinking like 200 something pick, now he's like a 100 something pick. Rosarino is like a 30 something pick or a 40 something pick. Now he's actually kind of fallen down a little bit uh, of late because pitching's gotten pushed up and everything. But um, he was going so high, like ridiculously high. And I didn't want anything to do with it, didn't want anything to do with it. But then roster construction, if you take pitchers early and you're in the back end of a 15, like we talked about earlier with Devers and JTR. Rosarain is there, and he's one of your last kind of power speed guys for quite a while that you feel comfortable about. So I've been snagging him up left and right. I think I have him in almost like 40% of my leagues now. So um, for, for for not wanting to take anything for a while, <laughs> that, tune, that that changed real quick. And I, I even the, the draft I'm in right now, he was my fourth-round pick. So I, I've been starting to snipe him up everywhere, and I'm hoping that he is the real deal. But I have a lot more than I ever thought I'd have of Randy Rosarain. Yeah, no, it is really interesting how that how that happens. And what's nice is you can also fall back on the projections with the Rosarena as well. You're yeah. like the projections love him, the yeah. projections love him, but it's Chances true. I mean, lie. roster construction, like he's the last stolen base guy there. You know, yep, for, for um, quite a while, at least least stolen base guy that helps in other categories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, totally. it's like the last one for a while, at least in the outfield. All right, totally. let's get to the let's get to the fun stuff. We're not talking Stephen Brault. We talked about that already. Starting uh, pitchers. Starting he's on my pitchers. list, Baba. He's on my list. <laughs> well, I have him in over half of my league. So, <laughs> what do you? Oh say? God! Oh God! <laughs> well, I have I have Stephen Brault in twelve of my fifteen leagues. Yeah. And now he's injured. And I also have Eric Lauer on twelve of my fifteen <laughs> leagues, and he's in Triple A. People. No. Oh God! If, if anybody tells you to trust anything I say ever, just. Eric Lauer the last couple of years. Yeah, my but what God. round did you get those guys in? My God, I know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because <laughs> I have so much exposure to them. It's just a wasted lineup spot. Um, so for me, uh, Brubaker is a guy yeah. that I have a lot of, you know, going towards the back end of drafts. Um, like him a lot, put the skills together the second half of last season. He's one of those guys where like, you know, the, at the end of the, the, the previous season, he's the guy that everybody wants on the waiver wire. You know, like I know he had a two start, I think week, I think that last week of the year where he was supposed to, I think he ended up having it and he had two pretty good starts there, but just like a guy who starts to show those higher, that higher level of skill. And, and so you bank on him. So he's a guy, I mean, you know, it's nice, at least in the draft champions, it was because you kind of feel like he's going to get innings. He's going to be in that rotation. He's kind of a solid thing. So I have a lot of him and I, and I like him. I like the upside and I like the, the floor relative to where he's going in drafts. I think he's going to be um, really good. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if this guy really counts. Uh, Jose Arena. I have a lot of Arena um, of the, of the, after the Tigers signed him, I've always been a little bit of a, an, you, uh, you have been you, an Urania guy. I remember that. I have been a Urania well. guy, which I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I, I'd rather be the JT Real Muto guy than the Jose Urania guy. <laughs> but um, Urania throws hard. The Velo is good. He's going to the Tigers team. He's in the rotation. Um, what could go wrong? <laughs> what? What could go uh, wrong? What could go wrong? Just a guy to, to get innings. Um the one guy who's maybe most relevant now, I do like Jeff Hoffman. I have a lot of Jeff Hoffman shares. And it looks like he's going to be the fifth starter in that Reds rotation uh, based on some tweets that I saw earlier today. He pitched well. He gave up three runs in the first, and then he had four scoreless without giving up another hit. Um, I have him on more than 50% of my um, draft and hold teams. 
So I just think what I saw in him was a guy moving from Colorado. He already had the velocity. He already had the fastball spin, and he already had two secondaries that were pretty good pitches. And so getting out of the cores would benefit him. And then maybe their player development staff would be able to help him get to that next level. It's been off and on during spring, but he's done well enough, I think, to earn a earn a spot. And so he's a guy that I like um, a lot as well. Um, the ace, the ace that I have the most of this year. You want to guess? The ace you have the most of, because can you at least tell me where you've drafted more often? Middle, beginning, middle, or back? It's uh, kind of backish cheating, middle, backish Actually. middle. Okay, so the most you have, I'm gonna go with Aaron Nola. Nope. You Darvish. Nope. Okay, then Giolito it is. Giolito it is. <laughs> Seven shares of Lucas Giolito I have, and like you mentioned, that was a product. I think like, I think in I got like the fourth. The 13 to 15th mm-hmm. pick in like five straight drafts. Yep, he falls to so you perfectly like, right there. Yeah, it's just a yep. Giolito feast over there. Yep. Um, I have him. I have seven shares of Giolito. Um, six shares of John Means. Uh, seven of uh, Ryan Yarborough. Nice. Um, like I'm looking for the aces though now. Um, you probably spread out the rest. Bieber, I have four. Okay. Felt like I had a lot of Bieber. DeGrom, I have three. Cole, I have three. And I think that, and Darvish, I have three. And I think, um, I think the Cole DeGrom thing, obviously I love Cole DeGrom, um, is just where, I, where I've been drafting this draft season. You know, you got to be in the top part of it. I remember I, I, my first draft, I had the eighth pick and I got DeGrom at eight. That's criminal. God, I peaked early. Peaked early this draft season. So, yeah. I peaked early. That's good. Um, yeah, uh, Bralt, I have way too much. I'm like on my sheet here is eight of my eleven drafts, not counting my nine best balls. I know he's at least half of those. So a lot of Stephen Bralt, which is scary. I actually have a lot of Pittsburgh Pirates. Bralt, Keller, and Brubaker on over half of all like my twenty teams. I have a lot of them. So. Picking bad, picking good pitching on bad teams. Gotta love it. But um, if you want to start at the bottom here, Josh Lindblom, I have on well over half my rosters. Huge mm-hmm. fan of him. The recent news today is kind of concerning that Peralta looks to have the upper hand in the rotation and Lindblom's the odd man out. But at the same time, in that article, Craig Council says, expect Lindblom and Peralta to both be starting by mid April, basically. So it might be a scheduling thing or a Brett Anderson's out of the way. I don't know. But I still think Lindblom would be fine because the the Brewers have said it's 100 more innings than last year. So what's what's Peralta going to be a 150 ish? Lindblom about 160 ish. Like these guys are only going to go so far that they have to mix and match, and I guess that's the way they're going to do it. So he'll still be fine. Lots of him. Um, Mention Mitch Keller, Brew Baker, Marcus Stroman. I have a ton of. I'm a big believer in what he's doing. His new split change is filthy. Um, he's actually striking guys out like he did when he when he got traded to the Mets. The strikeout rate went up. It's translating still again uh, this spring. Love Marcus Stroman this year. Uh, Mike Miner I have quite a bit of for a season when you're looking for innings pitched. Miner is an innings pitch machine, and I like him in that ballpark there in Kansas City. Uh, you, you could probably go for a few more guys, but if we want to talk aces, it's Gilito as well. 
lots of Giolito. Wow, we're like a, the Lucas Giolito fan club. Yes, we are. Big fan club here. Big fan club. Well over half my leagues have Giolito. A lot of his plus. I've been drafting in the back of drafts, like you said. So um, he he falls right to you there, and it's hard to say no. He's my he's my fourth starting pitcher in my rankings. I almost want to put him over Bieber. I really do. Like it's really close because I think he's that good. But um, Gio's. Gio got a lot of shares of Gio, a lot of shares of Nola. I've been doing a lot of that pairing. Gio Nola of late. That's been fun. I don't think I have any Darvish, which is kind of weird because I like Darvish a lot. Mm. Um, very little DeGrom and Cole because I just haven't been drafting at the front, which just hasn't happened. And then um, a, oh, an okay amount of Castillo, but it's mainly Gio and Nola for talking aces. Those are my main guys. And when Gio wins the AL Cy Young, we're going to be very happy people, Toby. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be outstanding. It's going to be great. Although, I don't know. You're going to win I, the I overall. Now that I have Cole in a main, I want Cole. I want well, he Cole can be, he can be runner up. They could have a great mm-hmm. race. Both throw 200 and something innings. For sure. It's going to be outstanding. Um, relief pitching. Now, this is going to be fun because it's either you go early on a guy or you're spread out with a bunch of late darts, especially in DCs and stuff. So, uh, what do you have for relief pitching? Yeah, relief pitching isn't going to be a ton of fun. Uh, one guy I have a bunch of is Chris Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, of the Braves. Um, he's probably my most, I think he's one of my most owned, like at least useful relievers um, for this part in the draft. Um, you know, he just, you know, I think he'll probably get some saves. He doesn't walk guys. He strikes guys out. I think he's a really good pitcher just generally. So I don't mind having him on, on my team because of that. But then he also maybe provides access to saves, although Will Smith has looked great as well. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, you know, my most owned reliever, I don't know whether he'll factor in at all this year is Phil Maton of the, of Cleveland, um, kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I mean, maybe it's just because of role, but he was absolutely fantastic last year. I mean, swinging strike rate, I think was over 17%, just really dominant, really nice whip, didn't walk guys. He gave up, uh, I think he had a really high BABIP or a really high home run to fly ball rate. So his ERA was a little bit higher than it should have been in a small sample, but he was absolutely fantastic. So, um, you know, that, that he was kind of my most owned, but, um, Chris Martin, uh, Pierce Johnson was another one who doesn't look like he's going to get access to much of anything. I also have, um, a lot of Naris, um, and I, I actually lucked out because I have a bunch of uh, Anthony Bass, but yeah. I think like six of those shares are pre, pre-signing pre with the Marlins. He was um, super free in drafts back then. Yeah, I know. That was that was kind of wonderful. Just because he's, um, I, I call him like an Alec, my, an Alex Colomay because he's like, he's fine, right? Like he's like not special, but he's never really been bad. So he's like, if he just does what he's done all the time, then he probably sticks there. Um, and at least that that's, I think, what I was thinking. I can't even remember if I knew if he was going to be on the Blue Jays or not um, when I was drafting him back then, whether he was a free agent or not. Um, so those are the those are kind of the guys. Naris I had a bunch of before Archie Bradley signed. Um, yeah, so not super helpful. Um, but those are kind of the guys that I'm I'm most heavily invested in. Yeah, for me, lots of Tanner Scott, which I had even before the injury to Harvey. <laughs> so lot, lots of Tanner Scott, big fan of that. Uh, Greg Holland, a ton of, because I figure he'll get saves until he gets traded. So that's interesting, even though now the Barlow hype's kind of picking up. So 
something to keep in mind there. But a lot of Holland, a lot of Craig Kimbrell, which going to be good or bad. We'll wait and see there. And then tons of Chris Martin like you have. And my main guy, because I've, I've talked about on the show many times, oh, lots of Jolie Rodriguez I was taking a ton of mm. because I never believed in Leclerc to begin with. But we'll see. Jolie's got an ankle injury. So we'll wait and see on that Let's one. See. But Or Ian Kennedy or Matt Bush or someone <laughs> does something. But uh, my main guy, because I, I always said that I wanted one of like the top five or six guys and that I could piece it together after that. I have a lot of Rysel Iglesias, a lot. Mm. So that's a guy I'm going to the battle with. So the Angels need to win 100 games this year. That'll be great. <laughs> and um, we're going to be in business because I heard on the recent Launch Angle podcast that Jeff Zimmerman said with the crazy landscape of saves, just to be competitive in saves, not to win it, maybe not even for the top 70% or 80% or whatever, you only need like 60 saves, which when you start thinking about it, kind of makes sense. And long like – if there's only six or seven lockdown closers, then it's tough to get unless you get a couple of those guys. 60 saves could at least keep you competitive, I guess. Um, I'll get your thoughts on that if you want. But if that's the case, give me a Glacius and then piece it together, and I'll be quite happy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, 73 was 80th percentile by, uh, in 2019. And so you assume that that's probably going to go down maybe even a little bit uh, this year with the save landscape. So that makes a ton of sense. Um Guess who I have five shares of? This is going to be a good one, I can tell. You just mentioned him. Oh, is it Craig Kimbrell? No. Craig Hall? Worse. Worse. Oh, LeClerc. Yeah, I know. You're a LeClerc. big LeClerc guy. I know. I feel bad. Big feel LeClerc bad guy. You, Famous last like, words. There. Famous last words. Big LeClerc. Big LeClerc guy here. But you're also he, a big Giolito guy, so it's okay. LeClerc. LeClerc, Brault, and uh, Urania. You you came, you came to the show for that reason. That type of guidance. So, man. But I did get Jolie Rodriguez in a few spots. I don't know if it's going to be him or not. You know, I think yeah. he, Ian Kennedy or um, Matt Bush seems like the most likely at this point. But um, yeah, I know I, I grabbed the Matt Bush in my last draft. I grabbed Ian Kennedy in a couple drafts before that. Just late round. Let's see what happens. Smart. I started to do the philosophy, and it's. I think I talked about it on our last show. As when Jeff Erickson did his beat Jeff Erickson's 12 teamer, so it's different than 15. But like in a 12 teamer with as much volatility at closing, like with your last like four picks, just take guys that might have a chance. And if not, you drop them the first week and use it as like part of your churn and burn, which makes a ton of sense. I started thinking about it. I'm like, okay, because you're going to be moving those pieces so many times, anyways. Why not see what happens in the last couple of weeks? So I started grabbing like the Bushes, the Kennedys, just like, let's throw them here, see what the decision is. We drop a guy every yeah. time. Like, no, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because yeah. I, I asked him about it, and he's, we started talking, which is fun on Twitter. We got civil conversations, people. And um, all of a sudden, I was like, okay, that makes actually a ton of sense when you say it that mm -hmm. way. So something to think about if you guys are doing late drafts, kind of mix and match and see what happens. Instead of taking that, like, seventh outfielder, go try a reliever and see what happens. Just stuff yeah. like that. Um, all right. Let's do some listener questions here. Uh, SMMS79 jumped in the chat over here. He uh, didn't drop us a question on Twitter. He said he's sorry. He's late. Liverpool gotta, fan. Yep. Oh, this is – there you go. So your boy. So this is not Comac, dude. This is SMMS79. Um, he says he always has an initial question for us, which he does. Um, in his home keeper league, I have an extra second-round pick, 14 overall, to pair with my 9 and 12 picks. So I'm guessing he has 9, 12, and 14. That's what it sounds like. Do I go for glory, bondacy, or at a solid baseline starting pitcher or hitter type. Well, it depends on who you're keeping. I know. Come on. Hit, hit us up, SMMS. We, we need we, to know we who you're keeping. We need the context. 
We don't even know. Is it five by five? Is it six by six? What are the categories here? How do we, how, how can we answer this? How can we answer this? Put the, put the details in the, in the comments and we'll get back to it. We're going to, we're going to get back to it. Yeah. All right. Alfonso Dietrich. He asks rounds three through five seem very weird to me. I hate all the picks I'm making on these rounds. This comes back to the the Devers and the JTR stuff. Like, but this is for a 12 team, by the way. How have you guys targeted these rounds? What type of players are you looking for? Uh, in a 12 team for me personally, I'm looking for give me steals and some power. Lots of steals right here. But it's 12 teams. So there's a lot more to deal with in 15, obviously. I'm rarely looking for pitching at this point in a 12 team in rounds three through five. What about you? Yeah, I mean, in rounds three through five, it depends what I did in the first two rounds, obviously. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think speed and batting average, I think speed and batting average combos are done pretty much uh, in the third round of a 15-teamer. In a 12-teamer, they go a little bit deeper. So, you know, they go through the fourth round, I think. Um, and then four and five, you know, it really just depends on who the who the earlier guys are that you took. One should always build off the other. But generally, I think there are some pretty good hitters available. I think there are some pretty good pitchers available as well. So it really depends on where I am in that round and who I'm targeting um, there. All right. SMS79 is back. He's keeping Snell, Woodruff, and I'm guessing that's short on Alvarez. Short on Alvarez. Head to head five by five with OBP and quality starts instead of wins and average. Okay, like it, like it. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of hitters have been kept. It's only a 10 teamer. That's good to know, too. Thinking of trying to dominate pitching, hoping to get a Harper or Freeman at nine, then starting pitching. Yeah, I like that idea. If with what he's saying, if it's legit, there's that much bats gone, and you can get Harper or Freeman at nine still with all the keepers, and then you can go pitcher at 12 and 14. I like it. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, I don't get Mondesi. If it's an OBP league, yeah. especially a five by five and it's OBP, do not get Mondesi. And with I mean, quality starts head, being so chicky. Head, though. It is head to head, though. Yeah, but head to head, oh, a, a, that, but head to head, that's. I wouldn't worry about it. Well, because he could just win you stolen bases every week. Yeah, I wouldn't want it because he's not. Yeah, but he's also not consistent. So there's up yeah, and down. I don't play head to head, so don't well, listen to anything I say. Part of me. Like with quality starts being so challenging, I would go get those ace pitchers right there. Like get those guys that are more often than not throwing six plus innings because that drops off very quick. Yeah, I definitely add at least one top not starting pitcher right there. If you can get Harper at nine, I mean Harper is legitimately like a top ten in OBP yeah, overall he's a, pick, he's a not monster. even including kick keepers. So How's you he can get Harper, kept? definitely get him. <laughs> How's he not and, kept in this format? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I would say try to get another stolen base guy there. That's not yeah. Mondesi. And I know what your valuations on your spreadsheet say, but one thing about valuations is that tells you what his value is, but then you think about, okay, what? how does that impact the picks that I take later on in this draft because I have to compensate for this massive OBP strain, you know? Uh-huh. Um so that's what that's what I would that's what I would say right there. I'd say grab one more top end pitcher for those quality starts that'll give you three pretty decent ones. One that I'm a little iffy on in Snell, and then um, uh, then grab two two good hitters. Um, yeah. that would be what I, like, I would suggest. I like that quite a bit. And uh, he also mentions keeper rules. Uh, first year Trout's available, so this sounds like it's probably a year four-ish, five of this league. So now all the big guys that got taken earlier are starting to become available again, which is fun. 
It's fun. Yeah. So I dig it. I dig it. Um, just real quick, we don't have to go deep because you said it many times. But B Krogman thirty three asks. He's in the chat. Says I love yeah. you, Toby. But did you change your stance on Vlad? I'm praying the launch angle increases. You've talked about this many times, but give Krogman your uh, your cliff notes on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it. I I have to see what he's doing in spring training, but it's such a small sample that we have, and we have such a long historical sample. I mean, even with Vlad, I mean, if Vlad were to get his his um, ground ball rate to forty five percent, which is still worse than league average. That would still that would be like one of the biggest drops decrease in um, ground ball rate from year to year in a long time. You know, Cattell Marte, I think, was nine percent. And that was just absolutely massive. So let me even see. I'm just going to see if. Um, so Vlad Guerrero Jr. I don't want to give feedback to you. So I'm going to go to the expanded. So let's see. Vlad Guerrero Jr., so his ground out to his ground out to air out ratio right now, which is very good for him, is 0 0.83. 0.83. So essentially for every um yeah, so like essentially like almost one to one ground ball to fly ball, right? So if that's the case, right, that's still about that's about a I want to say like a 40%. I don't know. I can't, I can't figure it out. Whatever. Like uh, point, point 0.8 would be. Um, yeah. Like 40%, I think. So like 40% ground ball rate or something like that. But we're talking about three plate appearances, guys. We're talking about three plate appearances. He has a 522 BABIP. <laughs> All right. He's got an 18% walk rate. He's got a 6% strikeout rate. You know, like these are all great things, but like we're talking about 33 plate appearances that he's had so far. And so we can't really take anything substantive out of that. And so there's a lot of reasons to be really excited about Vlad, like the weight loss and that freeing him up and making him faster and making him hit the ball in the air more, making him more flexible, making him tap into that power. That's all really good things. You know, and 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 I think there's there's two two different ways to think about it, right? For me, I'm like I don't see the upside as being that high because I don't see the stolen bases from him, and I think the batting average will be hard to get to with his existing profile. But at the same time, and I think Vlad Sedler, who likes Vlad, had this tweet like, you know, you can't say I'm not going to pay for it unless it's happened because if it's happened, right, he's going to be yeah. going way higher up. Yep. But for me, that profile, I am not going to pay for until I see it happen. Because if it is not, if he does not take a serious leap forward, then it's just another guy. He's just another guy with with a prospect pedigree and a really nice name that doesn't contribute that much to my fantasy baseball team. So I'm looking forward to him. I'm looking forward. That's that's my approach. I'm sticking to it. I'm looking forward to him producing one of these days. I, it's going to be one of these days because Toby's going to be against it forever until he does, right. pretty much. So I adapt like, every year. Yeah. Every year is this, different. This is, this is not me rooting against Toby, but for like the fun of baseball, I'm hoping it happens sooner than later because he's so much fun for baseball. But I agree with what Toby says. That's why it's tough to be like, okay, Toby's definitely not wrong because everything he's pointing out makes sense. But man, it'd be so much fun if like him, you have Tatis, you have all these guys. Like, like oh, it'd be so, so cool. But uh, we'll see. Uh, James DeVerglio in uh, the chat here. He asks, first dynasty draft tomorrow with 15 minor spots. 
Can you give me one minor leaguer I should snag? Well, there's a ton of them since it's your first draft. Like Wander Franco's popular, Rodriguez is popular, Kalinic will be up this year. It depends on how far you want to go. For me, and Toby's a very good dynasty player, as you'd expect, but I I try to. I'll still have some pitching prospects, but I prefer hitting prospects at all times because pitching prospects get hurt way more often than hitting prospects. So that'd be my two cents, but I also try to win now, so I'm not forcing my prospect picks early like some guys will. So if you want to, like someone asked me earlier on Twitter today, like, hey, when would you take your first prospect? And I said, well, if you want to like sprinkle them in throughout your draft, like round six or seven is fine with me. Like get a good base and go. But you'll see some guys in drafts, they go boom, boom, boom. So uh, what would you say for him? I would say, I'll just say more of an approach thing. Because I think you mentioned all the really good ones. There's a lot of really good ones. And it also depends on it also depends on the format, right? A lot of dynasty leagues are OBP as opposed to um, average. As opposed to average. So you got to know those types of things and know that those details about the players that you're drafting um, really get in there. So so I would say that. I mean, you know, you've heard all the like big ones, so those are the big ones. Um, for me, what I would say in my approach is I, I totally agree with Baba. Heavy, heavy, heavy into the hitting prospects. Go way more hitting prospects and only get pitching prospects that are close to the majors. That would be my approach. Yep. And number two, my process for looking at looking for um, guys in the minor leagues. Essentially, what I do is I on Fangraphs, I'll search through their minor league leaderboard, and then what I will do is I'll go to WRC plus and I'll look for guys that have high WRC pluses and are young for their age in that league. And that's literally like that. And I'm in an OBP dynasty. So I look at walks and, uh, you know, I look at walks. So I look at the whole package, but high WRC plus lower age. That I think is a way that you can identify some guys who are in the lower minors who may be popping a little bit. And my approach always, because I want to be competing is I, I have a lot of different, uh, I, I get a lot of really uh, young prospects. And then as they kind of bubble up and they do well and they get close to like the top 100, then I, then I trade them for yeah. guys that can help me now. That's um, fine. So like, that's, yeah, go ahead. No, I would say that, that's the way you should do it though. Cause the win now approach doesn't it just needs to keep getting preached. It makes too much sense, but it just you you play in these leagues like I do, and so many guys are just constantly shuffling through their prospects. I'm like, when do you plan on winning? Like, are you just gonna keep donating money to win? So like I, that's why I think people hate me. And I, I took over a rebuild for a team like three years ago. So I did a lot of trading early to kind of start my rebuild, but I'm getting closer to competing. Like I I think I'll be close this year, if not one more year. And so guys are trying to trade, like get my Andrew Vaughns and stuff from me. I'm like, no, like this is what I was building for. I'm not starting over just because you think no. So like there's so many factors to dynasty leagues and stuff, but yeah, Toby hit on a lot of them. Don't get a lot of pitching prospects. Just don't do it. It doesn't end as well as you think. <laughs> like if anything, if you're pit, if your hitting prospects are really good and you need pitching to contain, you can trade them for good pitchers that are actually in the major leagues. <laughs> so think about that yeah. as well. So all right, another question from Twitter. We have – oh, my stuff closed. Um, here we go. Uh, Joseph Morrow asks, how do you rank G. Lito versus Darvish, and what is the separation and or difference? Well, we're mm-hmm. Team G. Lito here. Just throwing it out there if you were curious, but uh, what do you say? 
We are. It's super close, though. Yeah, it's it is. super close for me. Um, so I think they're both terrific from a skills perspective, I think. I mean, you know, swinging strike rate, you know, uh, O-swing, uh, Darvish is better. Um, Z-contact, nobody's better than Giolito um, for Z-contact. They're just absolutely dominant in, in every every capacity. And so I think either one of them is a great pick. I'm happy taking them in the first round. I'm happy taking them high up in the first round for either one of them. Um, Darvish has the better control. Um, you know, he has recently. I mean, he used to struggle a little bit with it, but in the last couple of years since he's developed, I think it's the cutter, you know, he's really just taken off. And he's got the velocity too. I mean, he's got probably two ticks on Giolito in terms of velocity. So he's got everything he, he, he has. Um, the reason that I like, um, the reason I like Giolito more, number one is just context and environment. I like the fact he's on the White Sox, right? A really good team that I think is far superior to the other teams in their division right now. Um, and I don't think that there's a lot of, I think there's not, it's not going to be as bad as it was last year, but I still think like when you look at the, there's not really a team in that division that he goes up against that I worry that much about. Even the Twins. I mean, the Twins last year were a middle-of-the-road offense, right? They were not the Bomba squad from two years ago. Nope. They were middle-of-the-road offense. And I anticipate that they're going to be something similar this year because there's just a lot of question marks, I think, for me in some of the players that they have there. So their whole division, you know, the, the guys that he's most likely to pitch against are not going to be – are not that good. Um, and then I think another thing that's key for me is just the injury and age. Obviously, Giolito – has been injured in the past, but it's been a couple years now since he's been injured. Um, you know, obviously Darvish has an injury history, but again, it's been a couple years since he was injured, but he is older, right? He's 36, 34. Something like that. Something he's like 34 that. or 35, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just double check. But he's, he's just older. And then I think for San Diego, it's just a little bit of a tougher – um, I think it's a little bit of a tougher context. Like the hitting is obviously really good, um, but I just uh, the NL West is not uh, the best division. I think um, so. When you look at like projections, projections like Darvish more, um, and I can definitely see that. But um, for me, I just like Giolito just that slightest, slightest bit more. But again, totally happy. Like if I'm drafting in a draft. And I'm towards like the middle to back round of the first round and somebody grab like, you know, Cole, DeGrom, those guys are gone. Beaver's gone. Um, you know, and Giolito goes, I'm totally happy. The pick before me, I'm totally happy to say to you, Darvish there. Um, so they're really, you know, pick a side. I think they're very close, but I just lean Giolito just that slight little bit because of the context and age factor for me. Yeah, the context is big where he's playing division. All that. I like a lot. The age is the biggest factor for me. It's just Darvish. I love him. I'm not the guy saying he's injury prone, but he's getting older. Like it's just the way things work. So um, I'm going to go Gilito on this one. Anything can happen. But I'm, I'm as we've said earlier, big big on Gilito this year. So let's hope that actually happens. Uh, Matthew Cry asks: ten team AL only, four keepers, three minors. When is too soon to clog up your util spot? It's a 10 team. Yeah. 10 team, what is AL only, four um, keepers, three minors. I don't really play AL only that much, but I think I wouldn't be. I don't know. 
It's tough. I got to think about this strategically. I think that in an AO only, like having the better player to me would would take precedent over position mm-hmm. um, in that context, just because the the player pool is so shallow and small differences can mean a lot in the context of an overall season. So I wouldn't be too concerned with the position. I would take probably the best player available more often than not. Yeah. Um, that that would be kind of my approach. But again, I don't play a lot of AL only leagues, and so I'm probably not the best one to ask about that. Specifically. Yeah. I don't play a lot of onlys too, but just kind of you think about like a, lo- a larger league, a 15 team league would be like a 10 team AL only. Not quite the same, but depth wise would be similar. Um, yeah, I, I could see not caring. Like, I want to just fill my roster up. It's like the old thing we talk about in 15 team leagues. When's it too soon to take Nelson Cruz or one of these guys? Like, I don't want to, cl- they're that Nelson's that good. You take Nelson Cruz. Like, it's just the way it goes. Flexibility is awesome. Like, you want flexibility, but I don't worry about it too much unless it's going to really screw me up, but it shouldn't. If, if he's that good to take him that early, like a Jordan Alvarez is probably what you're asking about, or say, only is this Jordan, JD, Cruz. Heck, half the league, yeah, he half the league could have a util only guy. So I wouldn't worry about it personally, but that's because mm. if you think no, about util only, the, the American League is with the DH, that's a lot of util only options. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too much, really. But. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What, one thing that I think people who have like different leagues like this should definitely use is I don't know if people, how much people use the auction calculator on fan graphs. It's huge, but Oh, it's so, so, so you can so customize helpful. out of it too. Like it's, amazing. yeah, I always do that for all my OBP leagues. That's what I always run the valuations through to get them because it's a little complicated on the spreadsheet that I use. Um, and I'm, and I'm too lazy. So I just like run them through the auction calculator and it just gives you a really good sense for value. And obviously you don't have to follow them to a T, but it gives you a sense of if this guy is util only, what's the penalty, you know, yep. um, for that. And like, where does he fit? How much better is he than the other players that are available at that time? So definitely highly recommend using that for anybody who has like non-traditional leagues. Yep. I think it's a great call. Last question we have tonight. Big friendly giant asks last year. It seemed like every minor leaguer in baseball is getting called up. Does this change? how you look at roster construction in 2021 potential impacts, quicker learning curves for when they get called up again, pitchers got proportionally more rest last year, more potential roster turnover, so on and so forth. Um, I personally think like we've already seen Kirilov and other guys go down. We're back to full season baseball folks. And these guys are cheap. So last year was a short season where everyone had a chance to win. They needed bodies a lot too, because guys are getting COVID and everything. So it was a little different. This year, there's going to be a minor league. There's going to be things to let these guys develop. You're still going to see a lot of them, but you're going to get like, Karoloff will be up in a month or two. Clinic will be up in a month or so. Like, it's not going to be right out the gate anymore for me, at least. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be different this year with the minor leagues there. And last year was just so bizarre because normally you'd be able to track and be like, oh, this guy's surging or this guy's not doing well, you know, and have a sense of who might be the next one to take that step up. And we didn't have that, you know, and we didn't have that available. And we didn't know exactly what the justifications were for bringing up some guys and not others, you know, because you have guys that were brought up last year who are now getting set to like double A or like high A, you know, you're just like, "Uh, okay. Um, So I think last year was a pretty unique circumstance. And now, now that there, that there's more of a 
developmental um, infrastructure in place with the minor leagues back and stuff like that, at least in a, in a very different form um, that I think you'll see a lot less of, of them messing with, with guys developmental paths like that. And yeah. um, so I think it was kind of a unicorn of a season, but we'll see, it, but we'll see. It's a really good question and really good. I think a really good way to think about things too, because it teaches us not to necessarily write off guys, you know, um, who are in the lower minors and some of them went from the lower minors and were very successful, you know? Um, so it can definitely happen. Yeah, and we'll get some guys. Don't get me wrong. It's just not going to be like last year was crazy. Last year was – everything about last year was crazy. So just expect that to not be the same, basically. Uh, as much as we want these young guys, just remember these guys are cheap. That's the best way I can say it. They're not going to give away free money now. So, All right, Toby. That'll wrap us up for the week. One more episode to go before the regular season begins. We'll do bold predictions next week. Uh, maybe some more listener questions, probably talk about our drafts that we think will be done pretty close to then. Um, any final thoughts as we head into the last big weekend of drafts? No, good luck to everybody. Um, I hope everybody's having fun. This is what we, uh, this is what we do all the research for in the off season and all the podcasts and everything. So it should be a lot of fun. And I think that, um, should be great. I'm really looking forward to the season starting. I mean, that's, yeah. As much as I love draft season, I love the in-season stuff. I love the grind. That's when it starts. You know, the draft is – in today's game, the draft becomes less and less important. Um, I mean, it's still very important, but it's less and less important because you have so many dynamics and so much shifting and, you know, wondering about innings counts and everything like that. So it'll be really fun the next, like, week or two and just – and then, you know, like a week from Thursday, we'll have, we'll have baseball. Yeah, we have a, um we have one of Toby's favorite like tell uh, tell Toby's wife that it was cool having the off season because uh, Fab starts this weekend so uh, yeah. we've lost we're gonna lose Toby for Saturday oh, and the Sunday mornings that's gonna God. begin it starts uh, this weekend yeah the twenty eighth this Sunday first Fab period starts so that'll be fun already uh, started working on it I figured already you did started working Vlad, Vlad Sedler posted oh, a picture of one of his God. leagues and I'm like you could legit build a team from the oh, fab dude, the two, 12 teamers are just nuts i get in there and i'm like i'm like yeah. who's available like what yeah. happened in this one and those are older ones from vlad like mine yeah. are from like three weeks ago and i'm like, like I'm it's crazy he's like on the wire like so we'll, we'll probably we'll probably recap the first fab period also next week. Kind of get a little yeah, chatter yeah, on that. Yeah, could, that could be fun. Actually, that could that be, be really some fun. of the names yeah, like yeah, yeah. some of those names and how much they go for could be quite oh, entertaining Jesus. to talk about. So uh, just hope you're not in Eric Heberlig's league. Oh, I think that's yeah, his first name, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. his first name. Yeah, that's the legend himself. Um, but all right, everybody, you can find Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at Pediatric. Thanks for listening. As always, give a rate and review to the Batflip Crazy podcast or the Bench with Bubba podcast. And we will catch you guys next week. This is episode 76. Catch y'all later. That's going to wrap us up for episode 172 of the Batflip Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Wow. Um, we are here. It is the end. I mean, this is crunch time. This weekend is the big weekend. Um, heading into the regular season. Pretty soon we're going to have real baseball. Uh, it's going to be awesome. So best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be kind to one another.